0: Thank you. How's it going, everyone? John here, the host of Spear Talk, and today we're welcoming the incredible Hakeem Isler, uh, Hakeem, aka the Black MacGyver. Uh When I started this podcast, I wanted to reach out to men and women with different backgrounds, whether it's military, law enforcement, martial arts, survival, uh, people, in leadership roles, and the deal with mental health and philanthropy work. And when I kind of came across your work on Naked and Afraid, I was like, man, who is this guy? And we've had we've had EJ Snyder on the show. I've had Donnie Dust. So I'm very well versed in really good survivalists. Uh and I was like, I gotta dig further here because there's something about this guy. You you literally cross off every category uh all the way down to some incredible philanthropy work. Combat veteran, the author of two incredible books martial artist, survivalist. Man, Akeem, it is awesome to have you on here.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate
0: that. I really do. And to kind of, I know the last year and a half has been crazy for everyone and you're, you have a studio gym, Elevo Dynamics. Now, obviously you were affected with the shutdown, but as people have started to come back, what is some of the, the stuff you've seen, whether it's physically or mentally, that has changed from the last time you saw some of these people?
1: Um, so we were a little bit different in the sense that we weren't really shut down for long. Um, we started the zoom classes like a lot of people did, but, uh, very early on about two months in, we were able to kind of open back up. Um, and we, we, we saw a lot of our folks. We did have some folks that were a little nervous about, you know, the coronavirus who didn't come, but we're in a very, uh, mostly military town. Um, so a lot of people here are very, uh, hard charging, uh, type individuals. So those people were still going out and doing stuff. Um, and so it didn't affect us as much as, you know, I would, I had expected it to, it did, but it wasn't as bad as, you know, some friends of mine who own schools. Um, I mean, they lost like 70 or 80% of their clientele, you know? Um, and that was, and that's huge. Um. And we lost some people, again, maybe like 40% or 30% of our clientele. But, I mean, you know, we still were doing better than most.
0: And you mentioned the being in the military town. Um, but for you, when this first kind of kicked off, and say before the pandemic, when you're having a bad day, whether physically or mentally, how do you kind of get out of that funk, kind of like the funk that not only myself, but millions of other people were in the last year and a half?
1: Um, so I go through a regimen every morning where I do some yoga and some breath work. Um, and I do some, uh, and I walk every morning, uh, get some outside time. Um, and I have some affirmations that I say, uh, every day while I'm doing that walk. And that really helps keep me balanced. Uh, but I still have those days where something's just off. And it really, I can't pinpoint what it is. Maybe it's my diet for that the night before, or maybe it's I don't have enough water, but something's off. And the way I normally deal with that when I have those days, is that I try to just spend a lot of time outside, getting some fresh air, um, staying off of technology, anything that stimulates me um, in a way that I'm not able to be very mindful um, of what's happening and, you know, Facebook and Instagram, and these things can kind of yeah. steer you in the wrong direction and keep you from really, and get you more, uh, anxious. Um, and so one of the things that I think people are, un, are not used to, uh, which is very evident right now is the ability to to have self care, to pay, to care for themselves. I'll say, I mean, there's people are, can be physically fit, or they can do like sports, but you know, self care goes so much deeper than that. And so, being able to really sit down and be with yourself, mentally and emotionally, um, is something that I suggest for for a lot of people. And so, what we started doing in our classes is I started taking some of the uh, breath work from my yoga and my ninja training, and started incorporating them more in our classes, where we really sit down, and we really start thinking about controlling our breathing, thinking, you know, thinking about our thoughts, which is really funny to say. Um, talking about, you know, uh, vocalizing, you know, uh, the the positive and and speaking a positive truth into your life uh, versus a negative truth, um, and I've seen that that's helped a lot of people
0: so when you mentioned like the breath work and the yoga is this something as you got older in your life after the military that you kind of realized had i done this type of stuff during the military through the martial arts that i would be better off because as a i'm 36 and i remember going to high school and not this anything against yoga or the guys that did dance or this other tai chi type stuff but i just never did that uh i was if you get hurt drink some water, rub some dirt in it, whatever. But as I get older and I'm doing security work, I'm like, man, I should have stretched better before I started <laughs> day Or I really do need to drink this water as much as I hate it. And like stuff like that, like how did you finally come to the realization that this is all basic stuff that guy, girl, old, young, doesn't matter who you are, this is all stuff we should all be doing.
1: Um. So, yeah, I think we have a very uh, physical culture, um, but we also, um, we don't spend a lot of time really understanding our, the unified uh, mind, body, spirit system. Um, you know, it's it's very surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what ends up happening is that we kind of reward this idea of driving on, the military is the same way, pushing through, driving on, not really taking time to uh, take care of yourself. And what we're finding is that You know, after living in a culture of that, so long you start breaking down. And then once you start breaking down, you start saying to yourself, Well, how do I fix this? And so for me, um, you know, I was very cerebral and did a lot of things, but I really didn't dive into the depth, very, very deep into where I am now. And I think that's just, again, that's time. You know, we have a young body and that's a phase that you go through. When you have this young body and you're able to do all of these things, and um, you always want to push the envelope, that's part of being young, you know. Um, and unfortunately, uh, I don't know how many of the older generation in my pater- my particular experience could really tell me how to deal with breath work and meditation and things of that nature. So because. No one could really explain that or tell me why that was important. Um, But everybody can tell me why running fast is important or, you know, picking up a ball or being able to go, you know, have strong drive where you go get some stuff. Um, So that's what you see. You see that in our in our society. Um, But when we start to get older and we realize that other people's opinions and the way we were being we were living. Is, isn't going to be sustainable in the long run in the sense that you start having things happen. For me, it was my lower back. So what really got me into yoga is that I was just like, you know, my back got to the point where I was like, I'm not even sure if I'm going to be able to do martial arts much longer. I'm waking up in the morning. I'm lying down and I'm in pain. I get up and I sit on the edge of the bed and I'm in pain. It takes me almost an hour before I can get out of bed stand up and then start moving because my back is so wrecked. And then when I'm moving, I'm uncomfortable. So I go and sit down immediately. And that's the only thing that kind of gives me some comfort. And then now I'm sitting all day. So I'm like, man, something's wrong. And so I went on this journey to kind of figure it out. And um, so I I really did some real research on yoga, not very surface, not just find the first commercial school out there. And then I started going to school for herbal medicine. And so I was like, you know, I don't want to do what the VA is 100% telling me, which is, hey, here's some drugs, and here's some more drugs, and here's some other drugs. And oh, you feeling this way? Here's a drug for that. And I mean, literally, don't get me wrong, medication can work. And there are some people who need medication. um, But I think our system is just so plug and play. Everybody's the same. Um, my personal experience was I went in and I got a drug for my back, my lower back pain, and that started messing with my stomach. And so then they gave me a drug to counteract, counteract that, and that those drugs for my stomach started messing with my um, sleep patterns. So then they gave me a drug for sleep, and then that started giving me migraines, so then they gave me a drug for migraine. so, uh, I mean, this is my reality is that I ended up, up going in for, man, my back's really hurting. And the next thing I know, I'm on five or six drugs. Um, and I was like, this can't be an answer. So in my personal life, I'm happy to say that through meditation and breath work and yoga, as well as my herbology, um, I've been able to kind of to deal with all of that. And I'm I'm in really good condition
0: now. It's it's cool that you brought up the VA stuff because my CEO is a retired Marine, and he goes to the VA for different stuff. And like you said before, it always be take a pill for this this issue, and then take a pill to cover this. And it's just the never-ending circle like you discussed. And he basically said, "Hey, I'll get what I need if there's something I actually need for my health, something I can't do." But the same medication you're giving me, I could walk out with a horse, take the horse out of the paddocks and ride the horse, or I could go for a walk or do something outside, cut the grass by myself on a tractor where I'm getting the same stuff I'm supposed to be getting, as opposed to just getting fed these, this big pharma, take this, take this, take this. And so kind of like a follow-up question to you. Obviously, we, you know, a ton of people that went through the VA and myself working with different people. Do you think there should be a push for kind of like this, other stuff where it's like, hey, med- you might need to take medication for certain stuff or get a procedure that you need a doctor for. But yoga and breathing and just eating healthy can alleviate a lot of these problems. Do you think that should be a push that they should go for?
1: Yeah, I think so, and I think they've been trying, uh, but I, I I don't think there's it's there are enough people in the system that really understand it. So you know, you have if I go to um, uh, if I go to become a medical doctor and, um, and I, um, under, I understand medication and, pharmac- and pharmacology, then, then that's what I'm gonna rely on. So, but then you start talking about this breath work and all this other stuff and I don't really understand that, then I'm not gonna really recommend that. So the more people we can get into the system that really understand how these things work because breath work is a science. Yeah, I can tell you to breathe all day. Calm down, breathe, John, just breathe, just breathe. Yeah, but okay, well, I am breathing. I'm just breathing really rapidly because I'm having a panic attack, right? But breathe, just breathe. Uh, I am breathing, you know? (laughs) So, But let's talk about, well, how do you breathe? Where should you breathe in your body? What you should be thinking about? What is it doing in your system? Um, And now we really have a science and that science is something that people can believe in. Um, versus just saying, oh, yeah, all you got to do is just sit down and breathe, which is not something that a lot of people can just believe in. And therefore, uh, without belief, uh, without know-how and without belief and being able to explain that what's happening to people, then there's no faith in it. And without the faith, then nobody's going to use it. And so I think that a lot of people are just, there's just not enough people who understand those realms in the system to really make it, commonplace in the system.
0: Right. As a Army veteran, um, what led you to join the military? Was were you growing up, in a were you always active, wanting to serve others? Like, how do you kind of end up becoming a Army veteran, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Enduring Freedom? Like, how do you, what led you to do that, choose that career path?
1: Um, so I had, I never really saw myself as a, uh, a military person. Um, but I've always been in the martial arts. I've been in the martial arts since I was eight and I'm 44 now. And, um, and so I've done all these different martial arts. I've done sports my whole life. And, um, when I joined, when I moved to Ohio to train with my teacher, Stephen Hayes, as a, you know, a ninja practitioner, um, I started learning all of this depth of knowledge, and um, I already had a very cerebral mind. Um, I had a very weird background where I wasn't. I spent time with you know what the cliche thug would be called, in, and you know movies or whatever. So I, I had a lot of friends that were thugs, but I had a lot of people um, who weren't thugs neither. So I was always very middle ground, and. Um, And and, and, and in some ways balanced, I guess. And, uh, you know, I moved to Ohio and I started training in the system. And very early on, I started recognizing that I had the spirit of like the protector. Right. Um, And that's why I didn't fall or devolve into a very, uh, um, you know, non-protector, you know, predator role uh, as I was growing up. And you know, as I'm going through this training, this ninja training, and learning all these skills, um, I start. I, 9/11 happened, and everyone who knew me through my life said, "You have a gift for, you know, tactical proficiency, your ability to think through problems, adapt, and to overcome in any genre." And I started to believe that. And so when 9-11 happened, I was like, I have a I have something that I feel can help serve my country in a way that can uh, you know that can that can grow our ability to be successful in wherever I'm at. And so I felt it was right for me, one, to challenge myself to gain new skills and new knowledge, but to use the knowledge and skills that I already had to empower my country. Um, and that was what I did. And I, I joined the army because of that. And, um, and it was scary. A lot of people said, don't do it. You know, it's not, it's, you know, you could not come back and, you know, all of, all of the things that I'm sure every parent was saying to their child and friend that was saying to their child during that time, most parents and friends, uh, but I did it anyway. And it was one of the greatest experiences of my life, even though it was very difficult at
0: times. And you mentioned, uh, Stephen Hayes, who's for anyone that doesn't really, a lot of my followers of the show actually follow martial arts. And but for those that don't, he's I would consider the American ninja, uh, legendary uh, instructor. the fact you actually trained with him and got your black belt certification through him. But since you had that relationship with him before you enlisted and served and dull all your stuff in the military, when you as you were serving, what exactly did you pull from his training uh, that could kind of help you get through the day?
1: Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, so, you know, I, so I already had an ability to adapt. I remember a a friend of mine, I wrote about this in my Ninja survival book. Um, he, you know, he was, uh, he was sold out on
0: Amazon right now, by the way. Yeah.
1: It's out on Amazon right now. He was a predator and, um, you know, and I remember one day, you know, being with him in the projects and I was, trying to be like him and everybody else, you know, where I was a tough guy and I was like, you know, and everybody looked at me as like the predator. And, and, um, I remember him saying my nickname back then was knowledge. And he said, knowledge, you know, you're not like the rest of us, you know, you're not like a wolf and you're not like a sheep. You're like in between sheep the term sheep dog was cool at the time. So he didn't say sheep but, um, he was just like, you're like in between, you're like somebody who can kind of be in both realms And I remember how that was annoying because I was trying to be a wolf, you know, (laughs) but the wolves weren't (laughs) accepting me. But they weren't. They were also not saying I was a sheep neither. You know, so I go off and I learn. So I always was an adapter and I go off and I learn this ninja martial arts. And you had these people um, who were these adaptive People who are living in a very tumultuous time, um, who were who were able to blend in with the environment and become different things, and and so it just kind of really fit with me well. And when I joined the army, it allowed me to do that uh, very well because I think, you know, you could be the hard charger, you know, um, you know guy. You could be a person that the army eats up and spits out as well. There's a lot of people I saw going through basic and different training that just couldn't cut it, you know. Um, but then it was something about being in between that really worked in, to my advantage. So I went in as psychological warfare and the ninja were, well, psychological operations, which right. essentially is psychological warfare. And the ninja was psychological warfare specialist. That's what made them very unique. And um, so it, it allowed me to kind of take what Mr. Hayes had been showing me and teaching me about the cerebral aspects of what made the ninja so successful, um, and I was able to take those lessons and apply them real time in you know country in country in Iraq, but then also in my own growth, you know, being able to make connections, forge alliances, things of that nature. I mean, I wrote. My book, Modern Hand-to-Hand Combat, which is also on uh, Amazon, while I was in country, it was one of the ways I stayed sane. Wherever we were at, I was like, if, if we got downtime and they were like, hey, you know, because sometimes it was hard to sleep, right? You know, you're in a combat outpost and there's bombs going off and people shooting at you randomly. And sometimes you just can't sleep. So you're sit, I'm sitting there with my notepad writing this thing. And I remember... Um, as a young sergeant, I'm in here. And I had, if you look at that book, I have like a lieutenant colonel that I met in country that wrote, uh, that wrote the four or not the four, but wrote like a review at the end of that book. And I remember as I look back on it now, I'm like, dude, you know, that was crazy. Like there was, I I'm talking, I'm sitting across from a lieutenant colonel telling him about what I'm doing and telling him about who I am. And, um, you know, instead of him just shrugging me off, he was like, oh, yeah, I'll take time out of my day to write this thing for you. And, and I, I found myself being able to cross those lines really well, you know, whereas sometimes people in my position didn't weren't able to cross those lines. You know, it was very straight, strict and forward. Like, hey, you're a sergeant. I'm a lieutenant colonel. You know, we're not on the same page, you know. Um, but I was able to kind of blend in and, and operate very well in any environment.
0: Well, it's cool that the lieutenant colonel didn't have the ego to be like, who the hell is this guy? Like, I <laughs> could learn from him, but he could learn from me. This is what we're here for. That's really yeah. cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that, that was. It was very magnificent. But, you know, that's what I learned from Mr. Hayes. And, I mean, just to kind of highlight who he is, he was the first American to bring the ninja martial arts. So people, a lot of people still don't know that Ninjutsu is a thing, you know, they think, oh, that's something in the movie. Snake Eyes movie is coming out. I know you said ninjutsu, no. you know, it's like, no, well, it's like a real thing. Not a lot of backflips involved, not a lot of, you know, it's, uh, right. it's, it's it's all this really deep knowledge. And so um, he was the first American to bring that back to America and from Japan, go through all of those hardships so that we can learn that and grow in that knowledge. And so he is the first American ninja, the cliche movie, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that movie too. Uh, so as you kind of transitioned from the military to the civilian life again, in the back of your mind, obviously you have the martial arts tray, but how did you kind of get to what you started doing, the survival stuff, into how are you gonna how are you gonna live, how are you gonna make a living now, or how are you gonna stay focused and uh, kind of keep your mind off the horrors of war moving forward?
1: Um So how'd I get into survival? So um so part of that is me spending time with Hayes on his property um and being out in the woods and us doing training and things of that nature and then while training with him i was able to find another uh soldier who actually told me about psychological operations i didn't know there was a such thing i was going to try to go in the army as an 18 x-ray which is a special forces right. you know um designation uh so that i can go through training and you know there i was going to try to become like either a weapons sergeant or a demolition specialist and Then he told me about PSYOP and I was like, what's that? And we got to talking. Well, we talked more and he was into survival and he had, you know, he lived in Colorado. So he was like, you should come down and train with me a little bit. I'll teach you some stuff and get you kind of prepared to go in. And so that's what I did. And that really kind of expanded my mind even more. And then, of course, I joined the Army. I ended up going through all the navigation training and the wilderness training. And then I ended up in SEER school. And then that was more survival training. And um, when I got out, I still kind of held to that. And and then Naked and Afraid came up. So then I was like, okay, well, I already have this knowledge, but I need to get even deeper because I'm not going to have anything on this show. And so I need to go deeper than where I was and um, started ramping up my training even more and um and that really and from there it just took off and i mean the first naked and afraid was about eight years ago now um and since then you know survival's outdoor wilderness stuff has kind of been a thing for me i'm still not i mean it's such a huge genre i mean you can't learn everything but it's a life pursuit you know
0: that's what i love about it because like again like i said we've had ej Snyder, we've had Dottie dust i've had uh, amber hargrove so i've had different people different backgrounds and it's Every one of them has said, Oh, we love learning from other people because we might know 10 ways to start a fire, but that person knows another way I don't know. And that's essential because it could save your life. Um, The funny thing about Naked Afraid is when I first saw it, I was like, Dude, what is this? Like, why are these people naked? Like, they're fishing, they're they're yelling (laughs) at each other, they're screaming, their heart rate's going up and down. And then I started watching and watching. I'm like, Man, there's a lot. Like, obviously, God forbid we're never going to be have a cra- helicopter crash in the Himalayas or whatever, but I know people who live 10 miles outside Louisiana swamps and very well can be in that situation and it kind of blows my mind that some of the stuff you, you guys and girls are doing on the show on the fly is super surreal to me. it just really kind of, it's like a really cool show.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think it is. Um You know, it is very difficult, but it also is, like you said, it's really surreal. It really exposes all your hardship, all your weaknesses, it'll expose your strengths um, and it really change you. And so for me, you know, I have this nonprofit now, and for me, it was a very clear experience my first time on the show uh, because it gave me an opportunity to really dive beyond the surface of my own psyche and my own spirit. And so when you're stripped of everything, and it's just you and the wilderness and one other person, Um, you can't hide from yourself anymore. Um, And we have a lot of that going on in our society. Things are happening so fast and so rapidly in our society. It's so easy to not deal with the different trauma, with the different insecurities, with the different anxieties and fears that we have. We just keep piling uh, more dirt, on, on top of them. Okay. I don't want to deal with my my the weakness of being able to uh, join and unite with other people um, or to show love to other people. So I'm just going to bury it with more Facebook posts or, you know, watching television or alcohol or going out to parties. Um, I don't want to deal with the fact that um, I have some emotional trauma for something that happened to me as a kid, or maybe I, maybe in the military. So I'm going to bury it with sex and, uh, and hanging out and doing all these things. So it's so easy to hide in our act in our society being so many outlets and things that I can do. I can play video games and I can, you know, right. You know, invest in Bitcoin and I can, you know, do an Instagram channel where I'm dancing all day and people give me a bazillion likes and it gives me that dopamine and I feel all good and, you know, and, um, but I don't have to deal with who I am. And so when that happens, uh, you know, when that happens, you never really, your wound never really heals. Your injuries never really heal. Um, and at some point they surface and they can blow you out of the water, and I think that's what we had happen with this whole thing with the coronavirus is that people had all these issues that they weren't healed from or they didn't know how to handle, and now all of a sudden they can't hide as much as they used to, right. and uh, now they're unleashing themselves. That for me happened in Naked and Afraid the first one. I, I thought I'm a psyop guy, I understand the mind. I've trained with this ninja master, and then all of a sudden I'm out there, and I'm hungry. So my, so physically my body can't can't hide from itself. It can't actively, uh, you know, effectively hide from itself. I, I have no water. Um, I have no other stimuli. Um, you know, I, I literally have to be with me and one other person every day and go through these hardships and. I couldn't suppress all those different emotions and they just started flooding me. And I was like, you know, this is a real experience and one that I need more of and one that I need to help other people reach, which is why I started the nonprofit. So,
0: and I do want to talk about that uh, a little bit. One of the cool things uh, your YouTube channel, you you basically show like introduction to survival use your car keys to cut wood and, zippers the break how you could use them to make whatever uh but you also show and talk about breaking a piece of wood and using it as like a self-defense which when i look at that i see like the filipino martial arts uh scrimma is that something that you picked up through steven or something that you kind of as you adapted to using a broom handle as a self-defense mechanism to kind of grow and learn from that type of martial art
1: yeah i think so i always tell people i think you know the way I look at the ninja martial arts, Toshindo, to be specific, um, is it is my operating system. If I'm a Mac or if I'm a PC, my operating system is Toshindo. Just like in Mac and PC, it might be OS or yep. or it might be Windows or Microsoft. Sorry. Um, so my operating system is ninjutsu, and and then I have different software packages that I that I have embedded, or you know. Downloaded on that P- on my hard drive, right? And so, those different systems would be like Kali or Sealot or um, Tamoy or uh, Jiu Jitsu or any of these other arts that I've studied boxing and kickboxing. Um, but now I filter them all through this kind of ninja mindset, um, and they allow me to do that. So, when I'm picking up improvised weapons. Um, I'm improvising as a the foundation of improvisation co- is coming from my ninja training. However, I might throw a little bit of Kali action in there, right but it's coming it's it's just a it's just a software but it's being operated by my you know uh, by my uh, operating system you know which is Toshindo so I'm filtering it all through that and that's really how I see that. I think the idea of training in other arts gives you a, a very broad way to look at the world, see what other people are doing, see how they're doing it, see why it works for them, um, see if there's any value in it for yourself. Um, but you do need to have some sort of strong operating system to work from, um, or else you just kind of get lost. And you know, and I think the thing now is everybody wants to create their own stuff and you know uh, have their own system and. But you know, yet they don't really have a strong foundation in whatever they were training. You know, right? That, if there's something. someone
0: that um, wants to get to martial arts, but might be intimidated by the fact that this is a lot of time and effort if you want to take this seriously, uh, what's the best step for them besides walking into a, a Taekwondo gym or a Jiu-Jitsu gym? Or hey, uh, Hakim, I'd love to start teaching, learning under you, like. What's the, what's the first step or steps people should take before they even consider doing a martial art?
1: Yeah, I think that is so much easier now than it was back in the day. Like there was no internet, so you couldn't just like, you know, or the Google. internet was one gig, You your computer was one gig, and the internet was AOL, and it was super slow, you know. Um, and then, uh, or, and you had Mosaic, which was like the, the yeah. web browser that, that became like Google or whatever these other things are. Um, so you had this ability, you didn't have this ability to kind of like dive deep. You had to like go to the library, read a bunch of stuff, or you just walk into a school and just randomly find a school. Now it's too easy and people still don't do it. You know, do some real damn research, you know, go online, um, really look at the school, try to see what you feel, you know, watch some YouTube videos, see what you feel makes sense for you and your life and what you're looking for. And then really go out there and um, and see it. You know, there's like a kid walked into my uh, dojo yesterday and he happened to be downtown. He's, he's, he's here for the summer. Um, he was going downtown for a salsa class and that was canceled. And he walks by our school and he says, oh man, this looks really cool. He's watching a video in the window. He walks in and he's like, hey, is there a way I can uh, jump in on a class? And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, actually, we got the next class you can jump in. So he was like, okay, let me go talk to my ride. So he tells his ride he needs an hour, and he jumps into the next class, and he tries it out, and he gives it a shot. And then he walks away, and he may, and he's coming back again to oh. do another class. So it's like you it's so easy now for you to either, just go try it and see if it's what you're looking for. Don't just believe the teacher. I tell people all the time, when you walk into the school – um, if you walk into my school and you're talking to me, I will say, look, I'll answer whatever question you have, but I, and I can tell you anything, but what's really going to matter is if you come and try it out, touch hands with me and then see whether or not it's, it's right. truly what you're looking for. But other than that, I'm just going to tell you a bunch of stuff, just like any school teacher, you walk into their school, they're going to try to sell you their product. But the reality is, is what are you emotionally and physically getting out of your training, and is that what you really connect with? Or not?
0: in your day-to-day life. And listen for one of our followers, Rebecca. Um, she's kind of wondering, what's like the essential stuff that you carry on you in the event that you have to, say, a car breaks down the middle of nowhere, or you're at an issue. Like, what are some items that you think everyone should carry that? doesn't require some to spend hundreds of dollars on gear, but stuff they carry in their purse and stuff, items like that.
1: Um, I'm a little bit out of the league now because I do have a lot of stuff. (laughs) I kind of carry around with me stuff for all types of eventualities. You know, I think that having a good multi-tool that you carry on you is always a plus. Um, I think that, you know, having cordage and duct tape on you is always a plus, too, because I like using multi-purpose tools. Um, I also think, though, that don't get spoiled. You know, um, really think through some scenarios in your mind as to how you do. Me and uh, me and one of my closest friends, he's uh, he retired a few years ago out of Special Forces um, after, like, 28 years of service, wow. and he... Uh, he and I always debate on the same topic, right? This dude carries a, a key hidden in his clothes for handcuffs. He's got like wire. He's got uh, lock picks hidden in his uh, collar. He's got a gun on him at all times, you know. And and every time we go somewhere, and he's like, "Hey, do you have a gun on you?" And I'm like, no, I didn't wear my gun today. What about your knife? Oh, I don't have my knife. It's in the car. Well, man, you're a sheep. You're not like a sheepdog. And I'm like, well, actually, I it's not that I did not think about those things. It's that I have to force my brain to understand what it's like to have to live without okay. those things at times. Because what if you don't have it? If you're always relying on, oh, I you know, I have this, I have that, I'll always be this, then in the life is life there might be a time that it doesn't work or you lose it or you can't get to it and because you've never thought through what it would be like to not have those items then you have no answers my di- the difference in the way i think is say let's have answers let's brainstorm let's sometimes put ourselves in situations where I go out and I say, man, oh, this guy's getting really aggressive with me, but I don't have my pistol on me. Okay, well, it's cool. That was a good little scenario. What would I have done if X, Y, and Z happened? Right. Or if it was like this road rage event, you know? And now I start thinking through processes that will allow me an opportunity to be uh, able to overcome certain scenarios. You your able- mind is your greatest tool. It's the one thing you will never be without unless you're dead, right? right. So always think – Have some items, but always brainstorm what it's like to have to deal with life without having those items.
0: And you bring up a good point because obviously you would know and I would know security work. Yeah, I have my CCW and all this stuff, but you go through some state lines, laws change. You can't fly to some countries with your firearm or even die. And so in those situations, in those areas where I'm going to be, what do I, what could I use? What could I do for my training? Whatever, and improvise. And I think a lot of people just think, oh, I'm going to get the gun and I'm safe. Well, you still have to train with the gun. Can you yeah. take apart the gun at night? Can you, like, can you run through drills? And I think it's so imperative that if you are going to use these items and tools, train with them.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and people, know, people it, it's easier. To, well, it's it's, 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 there's three levels, right? The first level is one you have to recognize and believe that. Things can happen, so I'm gonna prepare. The next level is you have to actually prepare. You have to get some stuff, right? And then the third is that you have to train with it, right? And you have to uh, really put yourself through some paces. And people don't do that. I've had I have personal friends in my life that uh, always talk about survival and being ready and being prepared. And they ask me stuff, and I tell them stuff. And for years now, they still and they still don't have the things that I had suggested. Hey, get some water. Make sure you have some water in the house. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah that's that's easy. And then, yup, yeah, And then five years later, they still have no water, and you're like, well, do you believe what I'm saying or do you not? If you truly believe in what you're asking me advice for, if I tell you then and you say it's easy, then it's nothing for you to go to the store the next time and pick up water, right. unless you really, really don't believe in it somewhere in the back of your mind, you're still saying, well, you know, you're stuck in that normalcy bias, you know, I'll turn on the sink and the water will come out and, you know, I'll turn on the flip, the white light switch and the light will come on. Um, So you're still not really preparing yourself properly for that.
0: Now you've put yourself out there with a couple of books, modern hand to hand combat, digital survival, but you've also put out three kind of trading type class things like structures whether it's the assailant countering tactics, battlefield, proximity combat, or hands-on subject strategy strategies, when you put yourself out there like that, how do you deal with people who are like, oh, this guy is always talking about, or I served one year longer in the military, or I, I know a better martial art? Like when you put yourself out there, it takes courage. I don't care what background you have, you're still putting yourself out there where someone like you, you're not doing this for the ego, you're doing this to save lives. And yeah, but you must also deal with some of these guys and girls who are like, oh. And so where do you get the confidence or what advice would you give someone who has something they want to share that could save lives, but doesn't have the confidence to do it like you did?
1: Yeah. Um, I look at it. One of the things that I, I tell people, and, and, and this is a little bit interesting, um, you know, does a, does a, a lion that's trying to protect its pride, care what, uh, you know, uh, a wild pig thinks about anything, (laughs) you know, like, it's like, you know, I'm trying to grow and protect when I say my pride or my tribe, I'm talking about everyone, you know? And so when somebody comes and wants to voice an opinion, if you look at my YouTube channel, there's people all day saying, this is BS or that's BS, blah, 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 but they don't have a YouTube channel. They don't have anything. They're just talking. And so, yeah, I don't have time for that. And I'll, I'll always show compassion to those people um, because maybe they need to be acknowledged in their life. And so but I'm not going to argue with them. So sometimes I'll say thanks for your feedback. You know, and that's that um, I'm going to show you acknowledgement because you're a human being. And it's obviously that's probably what you're looking for. Um, So maybe I'll be the person that turns you around and gives you the acknowledgement that you need, but I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time arguing with you because you're not part of my mission plan, right? Um, You know, it's not my mission to be able to, you know, argue with you about what technique works and what technique doesn't work. It is my mission to go out there and do the good work of growing people and helping them build strong communities and helping them find some level of success in their life. Um, and that's it, you know, and, and, and I'm out there every day, every morning, every evening, every aspect of my life is about improving myself, not in a, not to just hold it in and be here in my house. It's improving myself to make sure that those who rely on me or who look to me to help guide them, I'm giving them my best. Um, and the only way I can give them my best is to always be searching and growing in my own way.
0: Now, before you mentioned your, your, your philanthropy work, philanthropy work is incredible from the spirit quest to the soil foundation. Now, is this something, obviously you've had this idea before going naked afraid with the, the philanthropy and the, the charity stuff, but how important is it to you is it to always give back to those that are less fortunate and your work with underprivileged youth and all these kids and guys and girls like where is your is your legacy to have an impact on these lives like I think I I can't think of a better thing for someone to not only give up their time but their learning and teachings that you have to kind of help these people that are less fortunate than yourself
1: yeah there's no greater legacy there's no greater Gift and to be able to give back. And so here's what I recognized uh, a few several years ago um, is that when I am about me, I will always end up bumping into an end of the line, right? When I am about others, it is an infinite possibility of being able to go and me being able to share because there's an infinite number of people. And ways to share and grow them. And so, what I found like a perfect examples of my finances. I used to only be like, man, I need a million dollars and I need to do this and I need to do this uh, for me so that I can secure my life. The minute I said, you know what? I wanna leave generational wealth, I wanna be able to go into a restaurant, see, a waiter or a waitress that's trying to do something big with their life and say, I'm going to leave this person $100 and not give a damn that I only spent $5 here. The minute I started thinking about that, and wanting to become that my whole game shifted, I made it to where I was trying to get financially. And now and, and now I'm beyond that. Because I've raised the bar of where I was going. It was no longer about me. In order for me to help multiple people, then I have to be financially free. I have to be uh, the best that I can be um, in, a, in a situation where I'm comfortable enough to go out there and reach out to other people. And that forced me to grow bigger than myself. I am no longer about me. I'm about the collective. And because I'm about the collective, it, Im- it inadvertently makes me strive to be better, which only helps me out. I call it be selfish, so that you can be selfless. My in the pursuit of being selfless, I have grown myself to a new level, right? Right. And so that's what it really is about. Um, I think that that's what the rest of my life is going to be about. It's going to be about helping people and empowering people, whether you know, and giving uh, them uh, whatever knowledge I've gleaned without being judgmental without saying, well, you don't want to do it my way, so you know, screw off. You know, it's like, well, this is how it worked for me. And in my in my life, I deal with this with my younger brother. He's 14 years younger. I said, look, it's not, it doesn't always have to be my way or or your way. It could be and, it could be both. Right. Um, There's a middle ground. People told me that being a ninja was not going to mount to anything. And I recognize why that makes sense. Because other than Stephen K. Hayes, there wasn't really a lot of successful ninja out there. And a matter of fact, most people still to this day, like I said earlier, don't even know what a ninja is, doesn't know that it really exists. So when I told people that I was going to move to Ohio to become a ninja, people were afraid. Some people thought I was crazy, you know, because there to them there was no such there was no outcome that was going to be able to be positive for me, especially my mom. She was like, well, what does that mean? Like, then how do you get a job? Then what do you do for a living, you know? And now I've been able to build such a beautiful life that empowers others, you know, because I was able to pursue that. But nobody saw that coming. It was just, that's not a, to most people, that's not a viable way to live. But I was able to break that mold and so I can't always see for like my younger brother, what his path is gonna be. So I don't say, hey, this was my way. And it's the only way that works because I had these experiences because you, cause the reality is, is that each person may be the person that breaks the mold. Each person may be the person that changes the game like an Elon Musk, like a Nikola Tesla, you know, you can't do, this is impossible this uh there's no way there's no outcome that way no that's your world that's your belief and it may not work out for me in my world but i also may be the person that breaks it And the only one who's going to figure that out is me
0: the interesting thing it's funny you brought it up for the the whole did you think growing up all hollywood tv it was always if you you had to be asian and you had to be throwing ninja stars and running on roofs and fighting Wolverine and all this stuff. so <laughs> for some of this ignorance, and I think a lot of this comes from ignorance about the martial arts. It's like, oh it's a, it's an old white guy. What does he do <laughs> a ninja? Or it's a black guy well, he's not a ninja. It's like you don't understand that you, they don't might not look the part of what you think a ninja is, but the philosophies and teachings, a lot of times when I get resumes, uh, this puts me in a whole a tangent, but when I get resumes, people who want to do security, they are, they'll put down, oh, I'm, a, I'm a veteran, but they won't put their skills. In there. They're like, well, I don't have any skills. I go, we well, use the radio, right? You, go, you got radio commission skills. You got leadership. You got all this stuff. You can pull from something that these people have done. They didn't realize it. You're not sure. It's amazing. Fifth degree black belt. the you who would have want that on the resume? But what you're pulling out of that philosophy or martial art encompasses the rest of your life, whether it's health, your mental health, your, your physical health, your, what you believe in, and how you help others. And I think a lot of the ignorance of people is what really kind of pisses me off that they just look at martial arts. Like, Oh, you're, you're, you're going to become a ninja in Ohio. Oh, that's so stupid. How about you worry yeah. about your life? I'll worry about mine. It will beat up in a couple of years. And you'll see what I was able to get from the martial art besides throwing a star.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, and, you know, that's, so the martial arts was meant to protect life. And if we look at, and if you look at martial arts in history, the martial arts was birthed from a culture to protect the culture. So being born, is almost like if I am a baby born from a mother and a father, then I have all of their DNA kind of makes up my traits. And when I'm raised by them, their, their characteristics and their mannerisms and their beliefs and their belief system also imprints on who I am. So it's only makes sense to help people understand through that process that martial arts is so much more than a kick and a punch because it was birthed from a culture, it then was it then evolved in that culture, and then it and it keeps continues to evolve. So what you end up getting is you don't just get a punch-chop kick, you end up getting aspects of understanding of mentality and concepts and you know um uh emotionality and control of my mental faculties in some places if you want to go that deep you can gain aspects of spirituality um so and that's because that's that was part of the people that was part of the culture was a child that was raised in that culture and it took on a lot of those different aspects and so when people really look at it from that, then it becomes like, oh, it's not just the punch, chop, kick. It's all these other things. It's a etiquette. It's a mindset. It's a, uh, it's a, you know, a way, uh, to get more connected with the environment, you know, it's all these different levels and all these different things
0: that you learn from martial arts, if you're willing to go deep enough. That's why I think growing up, I had to read the art of War. Um, but like I read it because all oh, this is, like, a really cool samurai like of the ancient all well, they this is all the stuff. But you the quotes that they wrote that book then are so prevalent today that you don't have to be a martial artist to read that book. I think anyone that wants to be have a successful household or business or run a church or run whatever the teachings from that, like you said, it's all about the philosophy and it isn't just about the punch a kick. It's the use your mind and. We had a we had uh, Keith Cook on the show a bunch of times, and he got me reading like the the readings of Tao. And another thing, where I'm kind of like, I had no idea. I just assumed that you had to be a martial artist to kind of read this stuff, but none of the nothing of these books talks about martial arts or samurai <laughs> or ninjas. Just read what it says. That's your life. That's how you should live your life. And uh, it's cool that you talked about that.
1: And 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 here's why I believe, and my and my perspective is that. Because the lowest common denominator is the human being. The lowest common demon- denominator in anything in this world, for the most part, is the human being. And so therefore, things that are birthed around the lowest common denominator, which is that human, can speak to any of those humans if that's what they wish to accept or read or intake. And so that's that's the idea that it's like air, you know. Uh, Breathing in oxygen uh, is something that every living creature has to do, right? Right. And so, and and the lowest common denominator in that is life is, you know, and so therefore it it gets embodied into all of these different life forms. Um, And so that's the same thing with these martial arts and so on and so forth. They speak on so many levels because they were were evolved from the lowest common denominator, which is the human experience, the human condition. And because it was birthed out of the human condition, it speaks to the human condition. And that's not just to one culture. That's to the human existence, the human experience. And so anyone who's having a human experience can connect with those if they're willing to get out of their own way which may in in their case be some level of ego or some level of their aspect of belief. If, if, if I'm saying, well, you know, I believe the ninja were about spirits and hanging out in the woods or something like that and doing that. And I'm not about that. Then, okay. Then that's your own uh, belief system. That's kind of in your ego. That's kind of keeping you from seeing how that may connect with you on just a, a, a human level, you know? Right. Um, and maybe there's another one that does that a little bit more for you, you
0: know? Now, so. before before I let you go, uh, this has been amazing, but I don't, I think your website's kick-ass. It's got literally a breakdown of everything you've done, everything you teach. But if people want to go to your school, check out trainings, obviously your books are on Amazon, uh, social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, do you do any of that? And if people want to reach out, what could they uh, expect coming back from you?
1: Yeah. So uh, I just launched a website called SurviveUniversity.com, not survival, survive. A lot of people get that wrong. Um, Survive University. We're going to release a podcast in two weeks, um, Survive University podcast, um, in which we'll talk about different aspects of survival. um, You know, and that's going to be really cool. Um, they could also get in contact with me on my uh, my personal website, which is Hakeem-Isler, I-S-L-E-R, and Hakeem is spelled H-A-K-I-M as a Mary. So Hakeem-Isler.com. Um, and then, of course, I got my books out there. I got Ninja Wilderness Survival you can get on Amazon. I got Modern Hand-to-Hand Combat you can get on Amazon. Um and, you know, you can get uh, – I have some knives out there and things of that nature. I got the Path Seeker, which is made by Double Star, um, you know, knives. Um, so there's there's a lot of different ways to get in contact with me or get things that I'm a part of.
0: That's awesome. Uh, it's been awesome having you on here, Akeem. Uh, We'll have to do it again. And uh, thank you and stay safe.
1: All right. Thank you, John.
0: Thank you. Thank you all for checking out this week's episode. Once again, I'm John. If you liked what you heard and saw today, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And check out our brand new merch store with hats, coffee mugs, T-shirts, other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Again, thank you all for support. Be safe and see you next week.
2: The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at averyrich.com. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson